Right. Welcome to the episode of the Pinch Hitter Podcast, where we are here for you in a pinch. The Pinch Hitter Podcast, hosted by myself, Joe Adamanelli, along with my co-host Chris King and Justin Rochat, will delve into a variety of entertaining topics weekly, from sports to food to pop culture and anything else that comes to mind. If we like it, you'll hear about it. And we'll bring some others on along the way to hear from them to add to the discussion. Times are tough right now. We took up this podcast to add to an array, pos- array of positivity to these times. With that said, we over here at the Pinch Hitter Podcast hope everybody is safe and healthy. We send our condolences to those who have been negatively impacted by COVID-19 and express our sincerest gratitude to those on the front line working tirelessly to serve us and kick this thing's ass. With that said, it is NFL Draft Week, and we have a special guest on. Whole Nine Sports founder Brandon Olson is here. He will uh. answer some questions for us. He will uh, add some content that he's been uh, working on through uh, the past couple of months leading up to the draft. But uh, we'll get to Brandon in a few seconds. I just want the other uh, podcast co-hosts to introduce themselves. So with that, Justin, Chris, come on and uh, introduce yourself to everybody. What's going on, guys? Chris King, ready to get some shit done, get some mock draft answers from the founder himself, the godfather of Astoria college sports and uh hopefully we get some some insider information i know he's got matt miller on the line whenever he needs it so we got to get some answers <laughs> yeah, yeah that, um, i'm excited man justin here we've been waiting to do this for a long time it took a while to put it together but i'm excited to talk to brandon he knows his stuff about the draft he created his own website and he has some connections so i'm excited to ask him about some prospects that are coming up in this draft uh brandon why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, p- tell the, p- the the people listening in a little bit about whole nine sports and what you do um uh, i mean me specifically i'm all in on draft mode right now uh we got just a lot of content coming out it's like three hours of sleep at night time right now but yeah we've got a live draft show coming on Thursday during the first round I'll be there second and third round and or second and third day I probably won't be on just to let other people get some time but uh yeah we're really looking forward to it it's exciting times for whole nine busy week right yeah we uh I mean there's what nine days left in April and we're already at our busiest month so yeah um I got a few things we, we have a lot of questions lined up for you but um I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start right off the bat uh, with a move that happened uh, that caught a lot of us by surprise uh, this afternoon when the Patriots dealt uh, retired, what he who was a retired tight end, Rob Gronkowski, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in exchange for a fourth-round pick. Your thoughts on the move? Uh, honestly, I'm surprised they got a fourth from him. Gronk's Gronk. We all know that. We all know he's an amazing generational talent. One of, if not the absolute best tight ends in history, but... When it comes down to it, he's always had issues with durability, and he's trimmed down a bit from his playing weight when we saw him just over the past couple years, so I'm interested to see if he could really hold up, because he couldn't hold up when he was bigger. He looks a bit leaner now, which, I mean, maybe that'll give him a little bit of his juice back, because he was running like a like an offensive lineman, really, at the end of his, uh, at the end of his first tenure, but... I'm I glad mean, you we'll brought see. that up, because it, it, you, you could see a, a noticeable difference in his size from, you know, when he left, the, uh, right after he left, after they knocked the Rams off the Super Bowl to now, he, he's noticeably slimmer. And I don't, I wonder how much, 
of an impact that's going to have on you know his his level of uh, play going forward. But nonetheless, a, a, a big move for Tampa, which now they have a dearth of uh, a plethora of tight ends at the position. So uh, I, you know you got Brait, you got Gronkowski, and you got Howard. I know a lot of discussion has been about uh, you know maybe Howard being the odd man out. Is, is that the guy that you would envision being uh, the most likely to be to to be uh, uh, on another team from? Uh, you know, NFL, uh, the kickoff uh, in September? Um, I'm not too sure because the way I see it right now, they're going to give Brady whoever he wants on that team. Yeah. And we can say the name here where Aaron Hernandez and Gronk, when he, when Brady had both of them, he was really at his best. That was when the offense was really moving at their best. So I think that he might want those, he might want Gronk to be Gronk and then have OJ Howard kind of, be able to step in and be that more athletic, quicker move tight end. But mm-hmm. I mean, it comes down to also everybody keeps talking about how OJ Howard should have been dealt because Bruce Arians doesn't like using tight ends a lot. Bruce Arians is a good coach. He's going to use what he has. And now he has two very talented tight ends, arguably the best tight end duo in the league. Um, and now, I mean, I think O.J. Howard stays. I think Brait might be the odd man out, but O.J. Howard does have the easier contract to move right now. So mm-hmm. it might be him, but honestly, I think it comes down to Brady. It looks like an offense that's going to be, you know, uh, it's pretty much clicking at all cylinders. I I, I, I don't want to get too much onto Tampa's, uh, you know, uh, moves. I just wanted to ask, though, because I know a lot of in, – in, in light of the move happening uh, with Gronk uh, moving to Tampa this afternoon uh, – you know, a hot thing that I saw coming up on Twitter was now that they need a uh, a running back, and I know that you know a lot of a lot of fans in Tampa aren't very high on on them going into the season with you know Ronald Jones atop the uh, the depth chart. I, I was wondering if, if you if you maybe in free agency or the draft, do you, you see anybody that may be a fit for that that team at the position? Um, I mean, I think that they'll definitely be looking at tight ends in the draft. I mean, at running backs in the draft, just because. I mean, Ronald Jones hasn't really gotten the job done. Peyton Barber's been kind of underwhelming. I'm not a huge fan of them going running back early because I know that they're in win-now mode and that they need a running back, but also their defense allowed, like, 28 points per game last season. Picking up well, they, they, they were tops. They were, they were, help you. They were tops in, in run defense, though. I know they were near the top at that. I know they probably could improve upon in the secondary a little bit, right? Yeah, I'd say the reason they were tops in run defense is because... One, they were down quite a bit, um, and t- but teams knew that they could still attack their secondary. So it's like it's not one of those situations where oh yeah we're up we're just going to keep running it. It's like we know that their secondary is not great, and so we're just going to keep attacking them there. But uh, yeah, adding a honestly just defense in this draft, the primary focus, maybe adding that running back in the mid late rounds would be ideal. But and probably I mean, beefing up the offensive line, too. I know that's another thing that, that a lot of people are clamoring for them to do. Yeah, they could definitely use a tackle. I think that's where they'll go in the first round. I think they're going to take a tackle early. Okay. Well, uh, off the, uh, moving out of t- the, the you know the Tampa topic, I was I got a few things I want to touch base with you. Uh, which team do you think has the most uh, to win? Which teams do you think have the most t- uh, to win or lose going into the draft? You know, uh, what, who, who's really got a hit in this draft? Uh, on on the guys they 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 pick when when, when their name's called in the draft. Um, moving back to the Tampa topic, I think Tampa Bay needs to have a <laughs> needs to have a really good draft because they're they're pretty old. Uh, they don't have a big window at all. 
they need to get this done with what they have because, yeah, they don't have a ton of time to get this done. They have uh, six picks, I think it is, this year. So they've got to hit with what they have. And, I mean, yeah, they got maybe two years out of Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're a team that they really need to hit solid early. Um, I would say that the Dolphins, of course, they're they're an easy team to say because they have just so many picks. But if they have a bad draft with this many picks, they're setting their franchise back even farther because they traded Laramie Tunsil, they traded Minka Fitzpatrick, who are both studs. They got rid of their two best players, arguably, uh, for first-round picks. And if you can't hit on those picks, you're really screwed. Um, the same goes for the Patriots right now because they have a solid roster, but they don't have a set quarterback. They do have 13 picks, uh, so one less than Miami, but 13 picks. And, I mean, you got to hit on those because even with Brady, this team wasn't the well-oiled machine that we've seen from them in the past. I get I, I get that. Uh, so do you do – you... So you're you're looking at the Pats and you're thinking that that's a team that that probably you, you don't you don't think the Pats are in a position going into next year where they can I don't I don't I don't look at the Pats and think that they're going to be a team that's going to necessarily you know be banging on any doors but you think this is a draft that could be very critical to to what we see in terms of the product on the uh, on the field in 2020. Absolutely, because the receiver, the wide receiver talent was an issue when they had Tom Brady. He could make magic happen. Uh, now you have Jared Stidham, and he can't make magic happen. So expand upon need- him a little bit, Brandon, because I, I know we 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 we, uh, we over here wanted to to delve into Stidham a bit. What, what what's your take on him? Is, is he a guy? Do they really need to find another guy at the position, or or can they really roll with Stidham? When you when you kind of studied him when he came out of college, what, what's the assessment on him? Is this this guy a starting caliber quarterback in the league? Uh, and I did not like him when he was coming out at all. I was not a fan of Jared Stidham. I'm still not. Uh, he's probably the first guy I've ever seen that they'll bring in the backup quarterback. He throws a pick six, and they have to bring the starter back in. Uh, so that that's. And I'll mention. I'll just jump in right now. Sorry, Brandon. I would mention that they were up by like 40 points against the Jets when that happened. So pulling up your backup quarterback. Up forty just because he threw a pick. That says a lot about Jared Sidham. I'm sorry, you can continue. Yeah. I just had to jump yeah, in there. Kinda, yeah, I'm not a big fan of his. I mean, the positive is that the Patriots usually have a pretty solid offensive line, and we saw him in college. He had a terrible offensive line. It hurt his tape, of course. He was playing. Uh, he was. He's Sam Darnold. He's seeing ghosts. But. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was not a big fan of his. I don't know if he could really win you games. I don't think he'll lose you a ton. But, I mean, if he's going to just start throwing pick sixes, if you're going to be Nathan Peterman out there, he's not going to win him anything. So, knowing knowing McDaniels is already in place there and knowing the pieces, let, let's just say that the pieces are uh, that are there, you know, the, the, the Patriots don't make a ton of offensive moves going in the draft and maybe, at, you know, at the rest of the free agency leading up to training camp. If they pretty much go in with the same guys uh, that they've had, they they left at the conclusion of this past season, who do you identify as as a guy who can come in and be a plug and play guy immediately and, and at least may you know have the team being competitive? Well, like, who's the guy that you like in the draft that maybe fits the Patriot mold at the at the quarterback position? Uh, I mean, unless they're trading up, there's not a ton. Uh, I would think that. Jake Fromm would be their best fit, probably. He seems he's kind of like the game manager type, mm-hmm. so he'd probably be able to fit there and not lose him games. Of course, he'd love having a uh, James White back there. 
and Sonny Michelle and Rex Burkhead and yeah, he's he's not going to cost them a ton of games. But again, like Stidham, I don't think he's a guy that can win you games. I think if you want someone that's going to go big plays, you they probably have to go Jacob Eason. But I don't like him either. I think he's not. Uh, how do I put this delicately? Uh, I think he's a slow learner, and I don't think that he'll really adapt well to the Patriots system. Okay, all right. So that, that then that's uh, there's really not an ideal situation then for them as is. Then is what you're saying essentially. Not at all. I think that they thought Brady was just like bluffing and he wouldn't actually leave, and they weren't genuinely prepared for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's 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 the basic what what it comes down to. You know, I I I, I don't I don't think anybody really had had an envisioned uh, Brady playing and being in another uniform going into 2020. But here we are, and now, you know, the the the, the, the Patriots are kind of left empty-handed. But uh, staying on the quarterback topic, I, I wanted to. Uh, ask you something. I saw a report that came out yesterday uh, that the Giants were considering, uh, you know, another quarterback early. Uh, with, But I, I was I, I had my reservations about that with Jones being already in place. Is that all, is that a, you know, a, a smokescreen or, or is there, a little, you know, some legs to this thing? Uh, I think it's a smokescreen or I hope it's a smokescreen, really. Um, I think they're just trying to kind of scare the Dolphins or the Chargers if they're interested in quarterback to trade up, which, I mean, the rumor now has been that the Dolphins are trying to move up to three. Uh, So if so, then yeah, sure, that works great. Uh, But it also kind of worries me a little bit because we saw the Cardinals do this between 2018 and 2019. They drafted Josh Rosen early. They traded up to draft him and then... They went and traded Kyler Murray, and they went and drafted Kyler Murray once they got the uh, once they had the new regime in there. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we could see the same thing happen. Personally, I wouldn't do it. I think it's just way too early to give up on a guy that you drafted in the top ten after one year. When honestly, Daniel Jones, he didn't look bad. He looked I, like I was, I was just about to bring. I was, I was about to bring that up to you. I mean, all things considered, as a rookie, with with, with the the expectations going in. The kid, the kid threw for over three thousand yards. He threw something like twenty-three touchdowns, and he didn't. He was kind of in line with the turnover ratio, which you expect with most rookie quarterbacks. So I, I didn't think he was very bad, to be to be honest. So I I, I like the potential on Jones. I, I, do you do you you agree? Yeah, I was. I, I think everybody knows I was very low on Daniel Jones coming out of the draft, um, but he performed far better than I expected him to. And honestly, if the biggest knock on a guy is fumbles, it's like, okay, like we could work on that. Mm-hmm. We, we've we seen it happen even with the Giants. We saw Tiki Barber was horrible with fumbles early and, on. And, and, and like and everything it. else, it should it, it should improve with what, what they put around him. You get the guy, you, you protect the guy, you put the necessary weapons around him to enhance him to be able to succeed. You, you know, then it's then it's kind of on him. But I I, I, I like I like Jones. I thought he performed admirably in his rookie season. So I, I would agree with you. I don't I don't think it's necessary to, to to move on from this guy. I think you got to build upon what you saw in the rookie year and, and then just build around him. A, a fair, fair assessment. Yeah, I think it's actually a horrible idea to go quarterback. Like if they were to take Herbert, I like Herbert, but if they were to take him, it's like, well, you still have a massive need at tackle that you could have addressed there. Maybe edge, because we honestly have no idea if Chase Young is going to be there. I don't think he will, but assume like in this scenario, if he might be, if you really want to commit to going quarterback and not take him, you're leaving a lot of things on the table here. And yeah, I'm not a fan of that at all. 
a couple of more things, Brandon, before I turn things over to uh, Chris. Uh, I just wanted to ask you also, uh, who, who do you look at some teams that are most likely to move up or move down? I, I, heard, I heard that Atlanta is motivated to move up in this draft. Who's the guy that they may be eyeing, and what other teams are you hearing? Uh, well, for Atlanta, what I've heard is that they're interested, like very interested in uh, C.J. Henderson, the corner out of Florida, which I love. I don't know how much they're going to trade up. I think they're trying to just trade up past the Jaguars. Well, there's there's a need there with Trufant leaving to go to uh, uh, Detroit, correct? Yes. Uh, but I think that I think they're trying to get ahead of the Jaguars, really, because I do think that if C.J. is there when the Jags come up, they very like they very well might take him. Uh, mm. Yeah, I know that when we were in Mobile, they really liked Javon Kinlaw, but at the same time, Kinlaw's got a knee issue now that people are like, yeah, this might be a chronic thing, so I would hope that they're not trading up for him. I think that would be an awful decision. Uh, maybe they're trading up to try and get ahead and get Chase on early. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they're doing, but they're going to have to give up a lot because yeah, to go up from 16 all the way into the top 10, to take probably a premier position is gonna it's gonna cost a pretty good cost i mean when we see the, the 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 usual price tag for what that that costs in recent years i mean you know uh just i know with the with the jets moving up to get darnold it cost them two second round picks you know and they, they were hampered they're only going to be back, back in the second round uh now and that was two years ago that they drafted darnold so i mean yeah and that's going from six to three yeah that's going from <laughs> six to three correct um so, and I also said another, I saw a team that may, is motivated to move down was, uh, I, I heard, I, I learned that the Giants were motivated to move down. And I also saw that the Seahawks are motivated to move down. Any legs to those? Um, Giants, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I do know Seahawks absolutely are. Yeah, that's just yeah. a Seahawks thing. Uh, John Schneider hasn't drafted his, with his own pick in the first round, I think, since he got here, pretty since he got to Seattle, pretty much. Uh I do think the 49ers are actually looking to trade down. I know that, or at least from 31, maybe not from 13, but from 31, I think they're looking to trade down because right now they have two picks in the first, but then they don't pick again until midday three in the fifth round. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of, you're leaving a lot on the table in those picks. They don't pick for something like 120 picks or something like that. Yeah. That's a lot of space in between there. Two other things for you, Brandon. Um, well, one other thing, is, uh, one, one other with regards to... Uh, uh, potentially moving up. I saw a report that said Ruggs is is a guy who has uh, caught the attention of the Chiefs. They'd like to put him around Mahomes. That I'm assuming that that's going to be a, a player that you're going to have to move up substantially. I, I don't see him being there for when the Chiefs draft. Uh, is, is, is what, what, what what's the what's it going to look like to have to move up for them? Or do you do you think he could fall to them conceivably? Uh, no, I don't think he makes it past the Broncos if he even makes it to them. Uh, where the Broncos are? What, what, what are they drafted? 15, 15. Okay. Um, but the Chiefs are also in a tough spot because like the 49ers, they don't have a lot of picks. The Chiefs go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and they're done. Which is like, yeah, you have your first five picks, but you don't have a lot of capital this year to work with. Um, and if they were to trade up for rugs, the Chiefs are kind of taking like the Raiders approach from like the... 2010-ish time where they're like, oh yeah, we're just going to get the fastest players, but the Chiefs are doing it right where they're like, we're getting the fastest players that could actually like play football. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Chiefs were to try to move up past 15, they'd have to give up a first this year 
almost definitely first next year, second this year. It would cost a lot, and I know that the Chiefs are known for being aggressive, but yeah, and like I mean, you they said, have, they have needs on this defense that need to be addressed, and if they're just completely ignoring that, just saying, oh, we'll just keep outscoring everybody, eventually there's going to be an injury that's going to really hamper your whole team right here. And if you put it all on offense, if, God forbid, Pat Mahomes is the guy that gets seriously hurt, you're done for that year. No yeah, shot. yeah. And like you just alluded to just a few minutes ago, when we just were talking about the Jets, for instance, you saw what it was to move up three spots. You're talking about moving up, what is it, over 15 spots with, with regards to, if you're saying you don't think he makes it past 15. So he could even, it could be conceivably even be, be more picked uh, than that. So I... Like I said, I I, I I had my reservations about it happening, and I think you kind of confirmed that. Um, and then, lastly, I wanted to ask you, uh, who do you who do you see as some players that most likely to be uh, that could, we could see being dealt ahead of the draft? I know uh, Ngoku wants to, uh, you know, he, he's been clamoring. I know he he got into a uh, you know a battle on Twitter with the uh, co-owner of the Jaguars. Uh, Ford and uh, Quan Alexander. I saw that they they were two names that came up as well as. Uh, uh, Marquise Goodwin, uh, you know, a couple of guys from the Niners. Any of these guys? I know they're all they're all coming up, but who's who? Who is most like? Who's very very likely to be in a, in a different on a on a different team come a Friday morning? Ngakwe's uh, is going to be gone. Really, it's just a matter of finding him a spot. Uh, Yannick is very unhappy with the Jaguars. We saw what happened with uh, just Jalen Ramsey was unhappy there. AJ Bouye, I don't think he's he's not as vocal, but wasn't a super ecstatic to be there uh they kind of they burned a lot of bridges when it came with tom coughlin uh he just didn't fit there at all uh so i think he's he's gone and then d ford i don't think is going anywhere the, the, the contract's uh, exorbitant and i think that's the thing right yeah i mean they do have an early out because mm-hmm. after this season i'm pretty sure you can get out with little to no dead cap so that's that's a great that's great for them but I mean, D. Ford, he's purely a situational pass rusher. Even with the 49ers, he wasn't playing a ton. He was just coming in a lot of pass rushing downs, which is fine. That's his specialty. But a lot of teams aren't going to want to pay that much for just a pass rusher. Okay. Uh, Quan Quan Alexander, I understand uh, the rumors for Quan Alexander because even when he was out last year, they had a very solid linebacker core. I'm not sure if he's going to go anywhere. They paid him a lot of money. Um, it, it's going to be kind of hard to deal that contract. Goodwin, he—he's another guy that, like Ngakwe, he's as good as gone because Goodwin got completely taken out of the game plan in San Francisco. He's clearly just fallen out of favor there. Yeah, but what's um, real? What's really like you know, in, in such a wide receiver heavy uh, draft, you know, and the, the about the talent, like what's really going to be there for him? You know, like what what are you going to get from conceivably? Oh, you'll be lucky to get like a midday three pick for him. Yeah, you're not you're not going to get much. He's got fantastic speed, but like you mentioned, the wide receivers in this class are just so talented okay. that uh, yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna have a hard time trying to find a solid landing spot for him. Okay, yeah, I, I that that that's why I figured you know I, I know he's a movable piece, but I just don't think it's not. It, it seems like this is the worst draft to try to move, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, especially given that. Shanahan just didn't use him for the majority of last year. He's like Dante Pettis. Like, he just wasn't a guy that really fit the system. And then with Goodwin, you also have to worry about... He's expressed interest in leaving the NFL to go participate in the Olympics. So it's like, are you going to trade for a guy? And then he's just going to quit on you to go run. Which, obviously, 
I don't count that as a negative. But if I'm thinking as a general manager, I'm not going to want to invest in someone that I think is a flight risk, basically. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, uh, <laughs> J- Justin, uh, you know, I know you got a few things that you're looking forward to asking Brandon, so chime in. All right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, first off, thanks for joining us, Brandon. I know it's busy time. Draft is right around the corner. And um, I was actually doing some research yesterday for the Carolina Panthers. And we all know that Luke, he- Luke Heakley retired. Now they have a hole at linebacker. And I was doing some late round sleepers. And I remember Wyoming linebacker Logan Wilson from the combine. And I put an X next to him. I wanted to see his tape. And so I put him in there. I started watching it. And then I wake up this morning. And Lewis Riddick, first thing on ESPN, says Logan Wilson could see, could jump into the first round. What are your thoughts on Logan Wilson? And where do you actually see him landing? Um... Yeah, we're, we're big fans of Logan Wilson over here. I think that he won't make it past maybe mid-second. Um, yeah. I do love the idea of him going to Cleveland because I do think he's kind of a more athletic Joe Schobert he could become, which, I mean, they just lost Joe Schobert to Jacksonville, of course. So he can kind of step in, be a plug-and-play immediate starter in that sec- in that uh, second level. Um, Carolina could be a good fit. I know that in, at Baylor, new Panthers defensive coordinator Phil Snow loved putting his linebackers in coverage, using them a lot. Um, he did it with Clay Johnson. He did it with Terrell Bernard. He moved his linebackers around a lot, played them in, co- played them in coverage a lot. Uh, but they ran more of a 3-3-5, which it's kind of more difficult to run that in the NFL. So not sure what we're going to see there. Um, I like his potential fit with Detroit, maybe at 35. Uh, he could be kind of used in a Kyle Van Noy-ish t- kind of role there. Um but like Kyle Van Noy with the Patriots, not with the Lions, when he was just non-existent. Um, so yeah, he's someone that we're really high on. He's a former safety. He's got the coverage skills. He's a good fit for a lot of teams in today's NFL. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of his game. He really popped out in Mobile for us. Yeah, I, I was. I, he, he, he's good in pass pro in uh, pass coverage. Yes. Yes, he is. That's his wheelhouse right there. How about can can he line up in the box and stack with the linebackers or with uh, the linemen, or does he need to put on some weight for that? Um, it's not his strong suit, but he is. <clears throat> he is very. Uh, he's an instinctive guy, so he's not great at getting off blocks when he does get it in the hands of the offensive linemen. But he's pretty good at kind of just beating them to the hole. So he he's solid at that. Uh, I think he could play in the NFL at either Week, Sam, or Mike Linebacker. I don't know why. It just said Week instead of Will, whatever. Um, but he could play any of the linebacker spots. Uh, yeah, he's he's built to be a pro every down linebacker. Well, that, that should be good for whoever takes him. But um, another guy I wanted to ask you about was uh, Louisiana Tech cornerback Emmick Roberts. I know that um, he's been jumping up Jeff boys lately. Can you just say where, 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 uh, what's his best fit as like a nickel, as an outside guy? Because I know he, he has some uh, height issues. Yeah, he played a lot of outside linebacker, uh, outside, linebacker outside cornerback at, at uh, Louisiana Tech. But I know that the Saints, uh, they're, they're pretty interested in him. I would actually really like his fit in Seattle. I think that they need they have a need at slot and he could step in immediately as a starter. And I mean, 
yeah, if you can get someone on mid day two, I'll say for him, uh, maybe maybe early day three. I'm a fan of his game. I think he could play. He could play man zone. He is just pesky in coverage. If he was three inches taller, we'd be talking about him in the first probably. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. NFL coaches don't really like smaller corners for good reason, I guess. But um, with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to the other side of the ball with this offensive line class. I know we've had some late prospects climbing up the boards, maybe into the end of the first round, early second round. What is your overall view on the offensive line class? Uh, I really I like the tackle class this year. I think that they have a lot of potential. A lot of di- a lot of guys that fit different uh, systems and can do a bunch of different things. Like if you want your high ce- high ceiling guy, you can go Makai Becton. If you want your high floor guy, you can go Andrew Thomas. He's probably the safest tackle prospect you can get. Uh, not a fan of guys like Ezra Cleveland and Austin Jackson climbing up when I don't really think they deserve it, but. There's even guys, uh, Josh Jones, we watched him in Mobile, and we fell in love with his game there. Um, Lucas Nyang, he's got a little bit of a durability issue, but in 28 starts at TCU, he never gave up a sack, which that's impressive. I don't care what level you're playing at, but if you can go 28 games without giving up a sack, that's impressive. Um, but then you go inside in this interior offensive line, it, it, it's not great. Uh, you got Lloyd Cushenberry and Cesar Ruiz. They're great players. I love them. I love Shane Lemieux out of Oregon. But after them, it kind of drops down a bit. You've got Natane Moody out of uh, Fresno State. He's a real mauler. He could just destroy people. But he's always getting injured. So it's like he's going to drop a bit. But really, he's a second-round talent. It's just his, his uh, medical concerns, not no. <laughs> just that's It's scary. That he's yeah, never played full season. Yeah, I would say that that's the biggest issue with him. What about a guy like Matt Hennessy from Temple? Uh, Matt Hennessy. He, he was down in, in Mobile, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Matt Hennessy was down in Mobile. Uh, he looked pretty good, I'll say. Um, I, out of the whole nine group, I was definitely the lowest on him <clears> coming <throat> out of there. Just because the day that I happened to be, or at the time frame that I was the only one assigned to watching the offensive line, uh, he was having serious struggles snapping the ball when there wasn't even anybody lined up on him at all. So it was just practice snapping, and he was just struggling doing it. It was getting really low, really out wide. He might be a better move to guard. He's got the athletic ability. Uh, not super strong, so he's going to need help no matter what. Doesn't have great length. Uh, he's patient, he's smart, I love that, and his agility, yeah, he, he can probably be a better guard in like a zone blocking scheme than a center right now. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of Matt Hennessy. I know he doesn't have the power like you were saying, but I think he has some versatility in his game. But um, a guy that, I don't know what happened to, we were talking about late first round pick months ago, was Wisconsin uh, center Tyler Biedish. What happened with his stock? Like, I, I don't understand that one. Man, his stock just fell off a cliff. It was wild. Uh, I was talking to, I think, Dylan about this the other day, where he uh, he was a guy that he was just perpetually, he was like first-round pick, always, every time. And then end of the season, people got around to his tape this year, and he just plummeted. It was bad. Uh, 
he's a consistent guy that's just that's what he is he's not great he's not horrible he's just consistently eh. um and the thing that i think a lot of people have an issue with is that he's been a starter for so long that he's about as good as he's gonna get and that's not great so people don't want a guy with kind of no upside at this point like you can get a guy he might start for you if you take him on day two maybe early day three but uh yeah he, he's consistent so you're not getting someone that's going to kill you there it's just he's he's not special so he, you and, and, pe- and people thought he would be and that's the real so, issue so at worst he's probably going to be like a career backup that can step in at guard or center at the very worst, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think he'll be because able... Because he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't have, like, he's almost like a, a finished product at this point. Yeah, I think he'll find a starting spot somewhere and really hold on to it for a long time. <laughs> but at worst, yeah, he'll probably be a backup somewhere, especially if that team, for some reason, doesn't want to play him at guard because if they don't want him at center or if they don't like his fit there, I he's definitely capable of playing guard in my eyes. Yeah, because he's not—he's another guy that's more of a finesse guy, like Matt Hennessy. He's not—doesn't have yeah. much power. Yeah, he's not plowing through anybody. Yeah, but um, going back to the tackles, I'm sorry, I just want to go back to the tackles. Prince, uh, Prince Tiger Winaga. What happened? I know his medicals are pretty bad, and with this pandemic going on, you can't really teams can't really see these uh, physicals that they're taking and their medicals. But what 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 do you see a guy like him dropping? Uh, I think he could be falling to probably mid late day two, uh, maybe early day three. I like his tape. He's got great size. He's a very raw player. He has not been playing football for a long time. He's agile. He's got a ton of upside, which I think really helps him. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the medicals really scare him. That's why Lavisca Chenault was a guy that at the beginning of the year we were like, oh yeah, he could be like a top ten pick. At the end of the year, we are like, yeah, he's a first-round pick. And then there's medical questions, and he can't get checked out and approved by a team doctor. And teams are not trusting these third-party doctors. That's why you see guys like Tua. They're like, oh, yeah, no, he might fall out of the top ten. Because teams don't care if his doctor is like, yeah, no, he's good to go. Teams care if their doctors think you're good to exactly. go. Exactly. Because it's, it's his camp. So, obviously, his camp is going to feed the media and these coaches what they want to hear. Exactly. Going back to Tua, actually, do, how, do you think he's actually going to fall that low? Or do you oh, see he should. Top? He should. I don't know why he gets a pass. He shouldn't. I, 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 I don't know why we have Terrell Lewis, why we have Prince Tegawanogo, why we have Antoine Winfield Jr., why we have uh, just, yeah, LaVisca Chanel. I don't know why we have so many players that Ashton Davis... They can ball. We know this. We've seen them do it. They have injury concerns. That's okay that that drops them. But I don't know why Tua is... He's not a generational guy. He's just not... I, I don't care what anybody says. He's deadly accurate. He's not generational though. And I don't know why he all of a sudden gets a pass because he plays quarterback. No. Guys in college that are healthy, they stay... Uh, guys in college that are hurt, they stay hurt. That's just what happens. We've seen it happen where teams like, oh, like, maybe we can keep him healthy. That's fine. Nick Saban. Oh, he got hurt making a play that most people wouldn't try to make. He got hurt getting hit, and in the NFL, he's going to get hit. Especially if he's going to be an early pick, he's probably going to a team with a poor O-line. Good luck staying healthy for a season, then. I completely agree with that. And I will say, usually on the money, with with stuff like that, when guys have injuries, 
you're the first one that usually tells me. I remember that was it 2012, I think, when the Jets took Dean Milliner. You said right away that he's going to be a bust because he's never going to be on the field. And you were 100% correct on that. But yeah, actually, I, was, I don't care if it's his shoulder. He, if he's hurt, he's hurt. It's fine. Exactly. And then he started hurting everything. But actually glad that you brought up Terrell Lewis because I absolutely love this guy's tape. But the injury concern is real. What What do you think about his game? Uh, I love his game. I know we interviewed him uh, right after the senior bowl, really. And he was such a – he was a fun guy to talk to. I know the interview doesn't have everything, but he was really fun to talk to. He was – he's a smart guy. Like, he has a very high football IQ. I was talking to him even in Mobile about it, so it's not recorded anywhere. But we were talking – He's a really smart guy. I love him. Uh, obviously, just like we were talking about with two over, it's like, oh, like that's his camp saying he's healthy. I was talking to him a little bit about it. He's like, you know, like I'm good now. He's like, I'm, I'm fine. He's like, I was dealing with some stuff like physically there. But he's like, I'm good now. Like I'm good to go. And I obviously take it with a grain of salt. Um, if he can stay healthy though, he's great. He's got great length, great tape. Great. He's all traits, not a ton of production. But he's not one of those all trades guys that's just that's dumb. Like he's an all trades guy that's also smart. He knows he knows everybody's responsibility on that field at all times. And a lot of people don't do that. They just know their job. Yeah, I see that. Do you one thing that jumped out of me the first time I ever watched Terrell Lewis was he does it seems like he does dirty work. He he not saying comparison, but he reminded me of Jordan Jenkins. When he was in Georgia with Leonard with uh, Leonard Ford, Ford got all the all the glory, but Jenkins did the dirty work. Do you see that kind of fit, or am I completely out of the realm on that one? No, I, I think that's a fair take. Uh, he, he's a he's a lunch pail kid. Um, we'll say, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's perfectly fine doing the dirty work, and he does not care where you play him. Uh, I've seen him line up head up with the center with his hand in the dirt, playing straight up nose tackle before. Uh, he does not care what he's doing. He just wants to win games. He just wants the ball. Oh, that's good. With that being said, what are, do you have any um, mid-round sleepers that you can shed light on? Uh, there are some guys that... Well, all right, how mid? <laughs> like mid to late, like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Okay, all right. Uh, I mean, James Prochet is a guy that... We- and we love his game here. Uh, just fantastic hands, solid route runner. I think he's going to be a monster out of the slot immediately. Uh, he's going to step in and play early. Michael Unwenu, the offens- uh, interior offensive lineman out of, Jet- out of uh, Michigan, I think he's going to be just... Uh, I think he's going to be a solid pro. He's a big boy. He's got a lot of power behind him. Um, there are guys that are scheme fits. I know I've been tweeting about like corners that are scheme fits, and it's guys like A.J. Green and Lamar Jackson who, uh, uh, wow, okay, those are both NFL players. A.J. Green out of Oklahoma State, Lamar Jackson out of Nebraska, both corners that I think if they end up, if they ended up somewhere like San Francisco, they'd be fantastic. I love that fit for them. I like um, that fit, actually. Both big corners. Both big actually. zone corners that could step in right away. Um, I don't think I, ha- I don't. And they can learn yeah, from Yeah, I don't think I have to gush about Josiah DeGuara at all. We know I love him so much. Uh, <laughs> if you have a tight end that's going to run 65 yards downfield and tackle a corner on a pick six, I love him. Or what should have been a pick six, I love him. Uh, Geno Stone, I love his game. Uh, he's kind of like pure strong safety, but 
typical Iowa safety, very smart, uh, not afraid to hit people at all. Miles Bryant is kind of just a nickel, but he's uh, coming out of Washington. I texted you two years ago about him. I was like, this kid's going to be good. Uh, He is a fantastic slot corner. Uh, On the defensive line, Bravion Roy out of Baylor is... He's the perfect nose tackle in this class. Uh, I love his tape. He's got some pass rush to him, mostly just eating up blocks, though, which teams need that. Every team uses someone like that. He could fit that perfectly. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's that's how Snack started the Jets. He was basically just a run stuffer. Exactly. Even now, he's still pretty much just a run stuffer. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But he, he, he can also rush the Every, every now the and then, yeah, he'll get it. Yeah. Also, um, what about uh, Dilly's favorite, Jalen Johnson? Should he deserve the first-round love? Because I, I personally think he should be a first-round pick. Uh, I think he's better suited than the early second round. Uh, Dylan and I have really? kind of openly disagreed on this. Uh, yeah, I think he's better suited for the early second round. And it's not to his fault at all. It's not his fault at all. It's just I really like the top three, four corners in this class, and I don't think that there's going to be a ton of guys. I don't think there's going to be a ton of corners taken day one. I think we're going to see a lot of offensive tackles. We're going to see four, maybe a fifth quarterback go. Um, If a team wants that fifth-year option, they might trade up to get that option, and that would be their main goal. Uh but yeah, it's just, I think that we'll see Henderson, Gladney, obviously Okuda, uh, Christian Fulton go in the first mm-hmm. round. I think we might see A.J. Terrell, although I don't think he should at all. I definitely have Jalen Johnson over A.J. Terrell, but I think Terrell might go in the first. Uh, yeah, I think a team might fall in love with Noah Igbenogany's ceiling because he's super just athletic. He's got very, yeah, very high ceiling. Super raw. He's only been playing corner for two years. Yeah. Right, he was a converted Yeah, so I think a team might fall in love with his ability. And plus, as a converted receiver, you know, he could at least catch the ball a bit. Obviously, there's a reason he's not playing receiver anymore. But he could at least catch the ball a bit. So if he gets his eyes turned around, because that's his issue. The reason he had no ball production is because he doesn't get his eyes turned around in time. But if a team thinks they could fix that, they might be getting a complete ball hawk on their team. Yeah, I'm a fan of all the, of mostly the top, maybe five to six quarter uh, cornerbacks. I'm not a fan of Adrian Terrell. I don't think he deserves to be in yeah, first or second round. But I got like Trevon, I got like Trevon Diggs. I think, to me at least, he's a scheme specific corner. Uh, do you do you see anything like that, or do you? Think oh no, you're you're exactly right. He's very scheme specific. Um, but also like. Like, you brought up A.J. Terrell that he shouldn't be, like, first or second. If you watch his tape against LSU, he definitely shouldn't be. Because I never I never like to tweet negatively about prospects or players or anything like that. Uh, but even I had to bring up, like, he was getting toasted repeatedly in that game. Uh, so, why? Yes, you put him up against a legitimate that. NFL talent or receiver, and he's just going to get burnt the entire time. Uh, but, yeah, I think... I think Trayvon Diggs, he's a physical, just press corner. Uh, he's not going to be, like, I, I, don't, I don't see him as this great prospect that should be going early. Honestly, he might 
not work out at corner unless he's in his own scheme. Uh, and he might have to play some safety. Yeah, I agree with mostly everything you said right there. But last one before I hand it off to Chris. I, I, I already think I know this answer. Um, who's your favorite prospect? Or do you have a favorite prospect in, in this class? I, ha- I have For a few winners all from TCU. <laughs> I do I, I figured that. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a few. There's all from TC. It's Jalen Rager, both running backs, Darius Anderson, Sewell, Lonnie Lua, uh, Lucas Nyang at tackle, the, Ross Blacklock on the defensive line, Jeff Gladney at corner. Just the, the TCU guys, I just love them. TCU and Baylor this year, everything. Yeah. I, actually, I, I actually love Ross Blacklock. But anyway, with that said, I'll, I'll hand it over to Chris. I know I took a, a bunch of time. But, uh, Chris, you can go ahead. All right, Brandon. So, kind of piggybacking off of the, uh, the prospect train, um, I know we all want to talk about how every, you know, guy picked on day one is going to be instant starter, uh, perennial all-pro, and that's what all these guys on NFL Network are going to tell you. But um, which prospects in uh, day one, maybe early day two, do you see have the biggest bus potential or guys that you just think are getting drafted way too high if you could just rattle off a couple? Uh, Makai Becton's a guy that he's very low floor, very high ceiling. So it really depends where he goes if he gets proper coaching. Um, Ezra Cleveland is a guy that he just doesn't belong in the first round at all. So if he does go there, Austin Jackson also, if they do go there, they just, they shouldn't. So that's why they might be labeled bust, but it's, at that point, it comes down to they shouldn't have gone there to begin with, so it's hard to blame them for anything. Um, other guys, there's, like, I hate to say it, but we were talking about Terrell Lewis. We can talk about Caleb on Chase on. It's like, guys that get injured, they tend to stay injured, so... And Tua, it's like, if, if you draft them high and they get injured and they can never play, again, hard to blame them, but it, it, it could be an issue for them. Um... But if I have to, like, pick one guy that I would think would be the biggest bust, it, it'd probably be Mekhi Becton. I'm not high on him at all. Uh, I think he's very, I think a lot of his success is going to come off of where he ends up. And someone that I'll say I love more than most people, but I think he could be labeled a bust, would be Isaiah Simmons. Because I love him, but if he goes to a team that's going to try to fit him into a little box and try to contain him, he's not going to be what everybody has hyped him up to be. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get Eric Flowers vibes from from Beckton, just a guy who might be too tall. And I don't know if this makes sense to you guys, but somebody who's maybe too athletic for his own size, maybe somebody who's too too bouncy or too too easily moved because he is athletic. He's a huge guy and he moves quick, but I don't know if that's that's what you need. I, I don't know if you want to be too tall and too nimble that someone can get under your pads in your chest so quick and just, you know, put you on your back, you know, as, as the biggest guy in the field and you're getting pushed around. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I, I definitely get those kind of feelings from a guy like that. So is that just indicative of the offensive line class? Because it seems like you rattled off a few of those guys. Uh, there are a few that, like, Austin Jackson's a guy that he's heard. Ezra Cleveland's a guy that he needs work. Uh, Makai Becton needs work. But with Becton specifically, there's that one scout – the tweet came out a little a couple days ago where the scout was like, oh, he likes cooking and eating more than he likes playing football. And even Makai Becton tweeted about it. He was just like, so what? Like, I'm big. I like to eat. Like, that's part of my job. And it's like, 
the point is not that you like to cook and eat more than anything else. It's that people think you might not love football. And a lot of teams, they want a guy that he loves football more than anything else. Becton, he takes plays off also. So he's got some motor issues. You're not sure if he's going to be motivated to truly push himself to get better. And like you brought up, he's really tall. If people, edge rushers, everybody's getting smaller now. People could get under him. Um, yeah, he's just, and he's not fantastic with his hands. When he does finish a play, he finishes the play. But the fact you have to say when he does exactly. is a big question. Yeah, and I think, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but I'm going to say, to, you know, I have to kind of clarify this to, to make it make sense. Offensive line, quarterback, those are two kind of positions where you're willing to work with an unfinished product because of what the finished product could one day be. So I think, is that why, you know, you, you spoke, like obviously this offensive line class you th- is kind of thin, I guess, after the first couple picks because of the amount of concerns there are after those first, you know, Werfs, Wills, and Becton, maybe Andrew Thomas. But it's just like the, the guys at the top kind of have these ultra uh athletic abilities that will give them a certain ceiling like you said but it goes to the same as quarterback with Tua is, is it just because teams are willing to forego any kind of uh, tape or concerns that they see because of the potential of a guy who has the I guess the unteachable qualities uh, yeah because like the guys that we've been talking about primarily have been guys like Tua quarterback uh, guys like Chase on and Lewis, edge rushers, and Beckton tackle. They play three of the premier positions where you can't find talent there consistently that's going to really mold your franchise. Uh, so teams are willing to just take that risk. And I mean, if you want to, sure, that's good. Obviously, there are some teams that are more, uh, that they're more daredevil y. They're going to take bigger risks. Yeah. And they're going to go on those guys and they're going to gamble on those guys. But I mean, personally I'd play it safe and I wouldn't touch the injury guys, but or the guys with low motor. Um, but Hey, NFL teams are going to do it early because they know that if they hit on those picks, they're going to look like geniuses. Of course. I personally feel that, uh, it might be Tua who's the biggest, uh, bust. He has the biggest bust potential because the medical, the, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I've never been a fan of guys who are, uh, I guess, a, not. A, he wasn't a cog in the machine in Alabama. He was kind of, you know, he was at the wheel. But you're playing with how many first round? How many? How many picks is Alabama gonna? How many? Uh, how many guys from Alabama are gonna get taken in the draft? You know, it could be it's gonna be double digits. It looks like so guys like that. And uh, the offense so, alone is gonna have like four first round picks. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. And. Now, now, kind of changing, changing gears here. Um, who is the biggest lock outside of the top ten? If we're um, going to go with the quintessential, you know, it's going to be you know Burrow, uh, Burrow, Young, Okuda, Simmons, Tua, Herbert, uh, Derek Brown, and those guys. Like the quintessential, you know, you kind of see on every mock draft top ten guys. Who do you think outside of that is has the biggest lock? Uh, just locked to be successful in the NFL. Yeah, you're gonna kind of a, a guy okay. you can see in, in Pro Bowls all the time. Um, I'm not sure if we'll see him in Pro Bowls, but I do think AJ FNS is one of those guys because I think he is what he is 
or he's going to get a little bit better, but he's almost a finished product. Uh, not a great, he's, I think I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a eight sack a year guy every year, um, which is fine by me. When I think of him, I don't think of this huge sack artist. I think of a very balanced player with a high motor, great size, great strength. Um, but another guy is Jeff Gladney because his technique is so great coming out of college that I think it's going to be hard for him to fail. So if I had to pick just one, I'd say Jeff Gladney. I think I think his technique is just so great that uh, I was actually, I don't know if I've ever even said this before, but I was talking to uh, Footwork King about Jeff Gladney and we weren't talking about Gladney before he brought him up. Like I, We've always talked about players that I've brought up. He brought up Jeff Gladney as a guy that he thinks is going to be an elite corner in the NFL because he's his technique is just so perfect. Wow. And those are, those are two guys that I think, in, at least in the last week, two weeks, in like peak draft and mock draft uh, territory, I haven't even seen either of those guys in, in, inside the top 25 picks. I mean, I see Epinesa at the end of the first round and some. I, I haven't seen Gladney's name in many. Um, so that's interesting. You, you don't you don't look to guys like uh, I guess the more sexy names like uh, C.D. Lamb or uh, maybe like Jordan Love or something like that. You don't see those guys as, as being like a lock, like someone you can at least rely on and is uh, gives, giving the team a return on their investment. I'll tell you, Jordan Love, hell no. Uh, <laughs> I am not a big fan of his tape at all. Uh, I do like his character, though, because... I know he got in trouble for pot a couple months ago. That's that's irrelevant to me. But uh, I really like his character because at the Combine, someone asked him, like, oh, are you tired of getting asked about throwing 17 interceptions this year? And instead of saying, like, yes, and Jordan Love is just like, well, if I didn't want to be asked about it, I shouldn't have thrown him. So I love his character for that. Uh, not a fan of his tape at all, though. Um C.D. Lamb, he's my wide receiver one. The reason I didn't put him is because I do think that he he very well might go in the top ten. Uh, so that's okay. why I excluded him. I do, th- I do think he'll end up in the top ten. Okay. Where in the top ten? Uh, probably nine or ten. Um, or eight to ten range before DeAndre Hopkins trade. Now we'll see if Arizona trades back. Depending on how the board falls, you never know what's going to happen. Okay. All right, so that's interesting. So... Now that we're following up the biggest, uh, the uh, the biggest lock outside the top ten, uh, what's a guy? Uh, if you could just name a player or two, or however many you'd like, about guys that you see consistently mocked to a team in the first round that you just don't see making any sense at all. Is it just because because uh, of like the, uh, the ranking and? fit versus need and stuff like that that it just kind of aligns are, are there guys that you see consistently mocked to the same team in every mock that just doesn't make sense uh, I mean it, it's kind of hard to come up recently with the Ezra Cleveland to the Browns talk definitely that one because yeah like I've said multiple times he just shouldn't be there um, I'm not a fan of his at all and him going to a team that He's not even close to a finished product, but him going to a team that they kind of just need a finished product tackle, and they'll be there. They've got one of the most complete rosters in the NFL right now in Cleveland. Uh, from top to bottom, they are very complete. They're 
solid build. Uh, they just need some offensive line help, and we saw that a lot last year. Baker Mayfield just constantly running for his life. It just wasn't working out great for him there. Um, yeah, th- there aren't a lot of guys right now that we see that they look like bad matches. Um, because I think at this point, for the most part, we're seeing guys that they are kind of being mocked to where they fit. Uh, earlier in the draft, in the draft process, absolutely, there were some people that they just didn't fit it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like most of the fits that we see. Uh, I wouldn't say I hate most aside from the Ezra Cleveland to the Browns recently. Okay, because I see like two, the two that I speak uh, that I, I even brought that question up to you about were ones that I thought just didn't make sense, and that was um, 15 and 16. So that's Broncos get rugs, and uh, the Falcons get chase on. And I just don't like rugs because I feel he's the biggest, he could be the biggest bust in the first half of the, uh, maybe even the entire first round, just based off of, I just get, the same way I got Eric Flowers vibes from, from uh, Becton, I get John Ross vibes from, from Henry Ruggs. It's just like, I don't, I don't know you personally. You're the more uh, in-depth analyst as far as uh, the entirety of their college career. I've seen. I don't know what is it. Every five catches that Ruggs has is a touchdown, and in college, I'm not so sure that that is going to translate. And that's why I kind of have. I don't know if you have similar inhibitions about about Ruggs. Uh, I mean, we're definitely not going to see that kind of clip. I'll say that he's in a shoot where it's just like. Every five touches is a score, but I do really like Ruggs. I think that the main purpose of getting him in Denver is really as a wide receiver two that could become a wide receiver one. I think they want him opposite Cortland Sutton, so they stretch the field. Drew Locke has a cannon for an arm, so let him just let it fly to Ruggs every now and then. Um, I wouldn't touch him in fantasy. I do think he's going to be like a boomer bust, week in, week out kind of player. Um, but Ruggs, he does some things that just a lot of players don't do that... You got it. Like he blocks better than any other receiver in the class, and he's by he's very much not the biggest one. Um, so you love that. You love his speed. He does have good hands, and he. he I don't like the uh, the justice speedster vibe that people try to send off with him. I do get the fear though that he might be just that, uh, especially because you see. In college, we saw him just behind the defense at all times because he's just so much faster than everybody. Um, so I understand it. I do like his game. Denver, I think they want him mainly as just a field stretcher. Um, kind of like in basketball, you like sign like a guy that he's not great, but he's a threat from three, so like it clears up the middle. Um, we know that's not my main sport. <laughs> um, mm. And chase on to Atlanta. I think people are falling in love with the idea that Vic Beasley's gone now. And that Chase On's just like another athletic freak that Dan Quinn can mold. But Dan Quinn couldn't mold Vic Beasley into something. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been able to get a solid edge rusher that he can really build into a finished product. So I get kind of worried with that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be a huge fan of that if he were to end up there. I think that wouldn't be great because, yeah, Dan Quinn, there are some questions really about his player development. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that, especially given the fact that uh, they have what I felt was just like an all-star uh, offense for a couple of years. This, this is these last two years have been super disappointing. Um, but I guess my, I guess the, the question that you could have the most fun with, why do so many uh, 
draft analysts, experts, people on ESPN and NFL Network, why does everybody give these out of this out of this world draft props? Um, I only ask because I I just get the feeling every I get there they're all nice guys and they're trying to be super political about it, but not everybody is going to be Zach Martin. Orlando Pace and fucking Michael in, in Strahan their, coming out of the draft. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody... I just looked up Henry Ruggs and his pro talk with Ted Ginn Jr. So, uh, you know. <laughs> that's what I like to see. Shout out to whoever wrote that fucking player comp because that's fucking that's, that's re- more realistic. Shout out to that guy. Um, Honestly, the reason that we do it a lot, I do it a lot also, but I, I've limited it a bit this year because I think it was Jim Nagy said that like He's like, in the NFL, so many teams don't have player comps. Like, so many teams are like, oh, yeah, this guy's like this. Because everybody's different. Um, but there are some guys, like like Trayvon Diggs, um, maybe not talent-wise, but play style-wise, which is how I do my comps. I set people based on their play style, not on how good I think they'll be. But, like, Trayvon Diggs, you can compare him to a guy like Aqib Tlaib, I guess. Or if you want to go, like, lower level, you can go, like, oh, I, I guess... Uh, um, Brandon Browner, maybe like you can go like really low level. So I like the ceiling floor comps, player comps. Honestly, we do it because we know people like it and it's going to get people talking about what we're saying. Um, hashtag hashtag people, views. Yeah, pe- people say these outrageous things because they're like, uh, yeah, people are going to talk about it and that's what I care about. Um, it's clickbaity. We get that. Like I saw Dylan sent me a. Uh, someone like tweeted a scouting report for Michael Pittman Jr. And one of the negatives that he put was that he only had one carry through four years. What the oh, hell man. does that have to do with a six four receiver? Oh man. What is, how, how does that help? How does that hurt? Like I get if if he carried it a lot, you're like, wow, like he's versatile. But you're gonna really take away from an ex receiver that he doesn't run the ball enough. Like you would tear you so tear into someone. So it's a Colin Cowards get famous type of situation. They're just stirring up the pot, trying to get people to watch their stuff. I mean, the thing is, we're talking about it right now, right? So it's working. That's what they want. That's what people, they want you to read their stuff. Uh, they want you to read their stuff. They want you to talk about their stuff. Because even if, if I tell my friend, like if I were to tell you guys, like, oh my God, did you see show X? They said this dumbass thing. Like you might you might tune in to check, and even if only one of you does, exactly. that's one more person tuning in to check. It doesn't have to be good; it has to be entertaining. You're, you're giving us some insight here on how to get 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 the get that sponsorship deal, man. Shout out, shout out, Manscaped. <laughs> if, you're, if you're watching, we need a we need a sponsor. But... Joe, you, Joe, you have to blow that up. Oh. They're not paying us. <laughs> but, shout out. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> my, my final final point before we get Brandon on the shout out. What is one outrageous move that you want to see on Thursday night, round one, day one? Something completely ridiculous that has a, a possibility of happening just because it's the fucking draft. Oh, that actually has a possibility. I was going to say something insane. Uh, I was going to go wild with it. Um, One move that we could see. I think it's possible that Joe Burrow isn't the top quarterback taken and I, I think it, it's possible that it could be Justin Herbert Re- uh, at one at one shit. one 
It's not, yeah, it's Cincinnati, not Burrow. Cincinnati got to work with him a lot in Mobile. Cincinnati was all over him. Um, he shouldn't have been on the South team. He was put there because Cincinnati wanted him there. Um, I, yeah, I love his game, and I think that teams might fall in love. With, Joe Burrow doesn't have a weak arm. So I know people say that it's not great, but it's not horrible. Uh, but I think teams could fall in love with Justin Herbert's monster arm. Uh, and yeah, can I, I think just Cincy throw could one, be that one. Can I just throw one thing in there? If that does happen... That's what, was, I, I brought that up earlier. I think that's a valid point, Justin. Yeah. I would love that. Because I'm a, everyone know everyone here knows I'm a big Buckeye fan, and I know Haskins was not fucking good last year. So if you can get Joe Burrow over Chase Young, I would 100% do that. Mm. I, I no, think it's probable. possible, but I'm not sure if they would. Just because I'm yeah, not, I don't, I don't think it. Would, I'm not sure would, that yeah. they would take. Burrow. I don't think Burrow's as special as everyone's saying. He Absolutely is. not. I, I think he's like. It was just a big season. I think he's oh, maybe uh, the Brandon. Best you thought the, the Peyton Manning pro comp um, was a little bit uh, too gracious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like the Tony Romo one. I'll say that. But Tony Romo also went undrafted, so it's like uh, he should have gone. <laughs> Joe Burrow shouldn't go undrafted. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's not yeah. this generational player. Uh, no, but if that if that does happen, it's likely that you think they can look for, uh, for a trade down because that price tag would go straight up. Uh, if Herbert goes one, could Washington look for a trade down? Absolutely. Yeah, because you'll have like the Chargers and, and the Dolphins and maybe even the Raiders jumping at that. Yeah, a- absolutely. I think they could trade down. I think that could be one of those scenarios where I know Chris is a Giants fan where Chase Young could actually fall to four because if if Herbert and Burrow in any order go one and two, I think the Dolphins have to jump to three to make sure that the Giants yeah. don't trade down. Yeah. And in that case, Chase Young four, Chase Young one four, get the fucking bottles out, <laughs> get the fucking molly out, get everything out. It's going, it's going down. In my house, everybody's invited. Dude, 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 social distancing. What are you doing? I don't give a fuck. I'll get Corona (laughs) if we get Chase Young. Chris, is that going to top your uh, Saquon Barkley reaction? Look, man. Look. Okay, maybe should they have gone quarterback? I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Saquon Barkley, all pro football player, all pro human being. I fucking love that guy, man. I wish I could be his (laughs) fucking friend in real life. Like he's such a fucking good guy. But Brandon, thank you for having us on. Give give us a quick rundown of what we can see on Whole Nine Sports. Shout out the Twitter. Shout out your personal Twitter. Shout out everything. What 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 you got coming up? Um, we're on every social media platform. We're just at Whole Nine Sports on Twitter. I'm WNS underscore Brandon. Uh. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we'll be live streaming on YouTube, our own draft show. Everybody seems to be doing it, especially now. Um, we'll be out there. We're done with mock drafts, finally. Thank God. Those are a pain in the ass. Yeah, we, we're, to I, I know, because I was kicked out for um, not uh, accomplishing mine, so I, I know very well. <laughs> yeah, see? Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we've got our live show every day after this. So Friday, you'll get my day one grades. Saturday, you'll get day two. Sunday, you'll get day three. Uh, and then 
I believe this coming Monday, we're still doing Mock Draft Monday, but we are going straight into the 2021 draft. Uh, and then even right after, I believe Sunday, we're going to publish it, a roster on at least PS4 for people that if they want to use their draft prospects, we'll have them with our ratings on NFL teams already. Mm. Uh, so if anybody wants to do that, that, you can. What would that roster be named? Uh, probably WNS 2020. Right, I'll definitely nice. Sure. Brandon, once again, we appreciate you having us, uh, you you gracing us with your presence and the premium content <laughs> that you can only usually get on OnlyFans. But we appreciate you uh, dropping some inside the hot takes, the shit that you have to pay for. We, uh, we'll, we'll, but uh, thank you for dropping some dimes. Brandon, uh, recap the draft, though. Thank you. Uh, All right, everybody. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you for blast. tuning thanks. in to uh, the inaugural thanks, episode bud. of the Pinch Hitter Podcast. Uh, you can follow us at on Instagram at the Pinch Hitter Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at Pinch Podcast. Uh, I don't know why we can't be Pinch Hitter Podcast. <laughs> Apparently, Pinch Hitter Podcast is taken, so we are Pinch Podcast for now. Uh, at, at 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 Pinch Hitter Podcast on Twitter, if you're if you're listening, we will like, buy your handle. Uh, right now. <laughs> The bag is the bag is deep for logo, one dollar. Uh, the negotiations with a nice Serbian woman, uh, but uh, we will. I gotta, gotta, I gotta hit my, I gotta <laughs> hit my Korean plug. plug. But uh, <laughs> just yeah, don't make it a bus stop. Just don't make it a bus stop. But uh, thank you for tuning oh, in, everybody. Thank you again, Brandon, for chiming in. I, I, you know, added some commentary on the draft, and uh, we will be back next week. Thank you. One love, peace. One love.